Hi, my name's Nathan Erickson. I'm here with my wife, Whitney Erickson. We are um, together the authors of Unearthing Betrayal, although Whitney certainly wrote the majority of the book. And um, we're happy to be here. We are five years out from my last uh, acting out with a one-night stand. It's been a journey getting to this point. And I never thought that we would be uh, married, let alone doing this um, audio with you guys today. So I'm happy to be here and happy just to share a little bit about the things that um, we've been through and what's worked and what hasn't to try and um, help you in any way we can. We are certainly still on the journey with you and um, just uh, working every day to get to a better place. I think that's what we all want. Yeah, we decided that we thought um, something that would help us on our own healing journey was just to dig deep and to answer questions for ourselves as honestly as we could. We have been in different groups. We've done different um, kind of models of therapy and we found a few that have actually been much more helpful and some that just have not been as helpful. We've encountered, obviously, couples. Um, and, you know, we call it the betrayal coin because you're on one side or you're on the other side. You know, um, you're the betrayer. You're the betrayed. And in some cases, people actually are both. Um, in our situation, I am the betrayed partner. So I can speak from the perspective of people on my side, which um, there are a lot of, of different voices out there um, kind of vying for our attention, um, trying to point us toward healing, what works, what doesn't work. And I think just through our own experience, um, we do have, thankfully, insight as to what has been helpful and what has not been helpful the struggle I think most betrayed partners and, and actually betrayal partners have is where do you even begin? I and mean, where does healing begin once the information is is out? Where do you where do you even go from there? Um, once the story or some of the story or some of the details have come to light. We call it betrayal awareness. Once the information is actually out awareness has taken place and, and, and what do you do now that you have that information? I wish I had had somebody walking beside me, navigating me, pointing me towards the way to do this well. Most of us are private. Um, we're trying to, to work it out in our own way. We don't want to destroy the credibility of our partner. We, we don't want to hurt the family. We don't know who to share with. And, and more than anything, we want a community where people can um, grow and feel safe in, where we kind of normalize really some of the verbiage and what that means, um, some of the thought processes and models and, and theories that are out there. Um, and, and, and like you know, Nathan said, we're, we're learning alongside of you. I think one of the first and important steps is you have to just choose to become an expert of your own healing. Your partner can't do that for you. Nathan couldn't do that for me. I couldn't do that for Nathan. Uh, I think in the beginning we thought 
you know, there were certain ways this had to go for us to heal in the ways we we wanted to heal, but that wasn't necessarily how it really worked out in real time. Does that sound fair? Nope, that's mostly because of me, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you give a little bit about your history, and, and we'll move on. So my history, I have... So, I was abused by my babysitter, approximately age eight to nine. Um, That was something that uh, was confusing to me, but also exciting. And so, I think at that point, I started to see women in the wrong ways, to be really, to be used um, for sex. And that's how people, um, that's how people related to one another. And it was a secretive thing, something that... Um, I didn't talk about for sure. And so, uh, that coupled with, um, issues with my, in my own family home and the feeling of wanting to be accepted and loved, um, came from females. And so that's how I was raised and how I developed in my thinking. And that never really changed, um, just the patterns of secretiveness, um, became more and more prevalent and um, I became a master at keeping um, the secrets that I had and that's how I I progressed through my life Um, and uh, obviously for 15 years I kept secrets from Whitney and she didn't know what was going on until um, like I said about five years ago that um, the last time I, I, I could not deal with, I didn't know how to tell Whitney um, what I'd done, but I also couldn't live with myself, continuing to be the person I, I, I was. And so she discovered uh, the information that really led to the initial disclosure. Um, it was not a full disclosure. And that process for me to actually come fully clean took a year and a half. And it was a terrible time terrible watching Whitney um, hurting and unable to really understand uh, why she felt the way she did and and me um, feeling like I couldn't it was just so hard watching her and feeling this immense guilt and pain and honestly uh, there was times where I, I just didn't want my life to go on I just didn't feel like it was worth all of the the um, pain that I'd caused and living with it myself as well. And so it was a lot of, there was selfishness in it. There was also just the fact that I could hurt somebody else so deeply um, really made me sick. And that's how I lived for a long time until we um, met the right therapist, did a full disclosure and polygraph. And um, that was three and a half years ago, four years ago, actually now. Um, So, the uh since then it's not been an easy road it's certainly been met with ups and downs there's been times where i haven't been honest again and i've had to deal with that reality and figure out ways to make sure that in all instances in all cases every time no matter how it will hurt whitney i have to be honest and 
and uh, just come clean with the information that I have so that we both have the same information. And for the longest time, I felt like I had to protect her against the truth. And what I've come to realize is that that is not protecting her. In fact, that is further hurting her. And it's better for her to have the information and be able to make a decision based on what is really going on versus um, trying to hide the information and keeping it from her. And she doesn't even know what she's actually agreeing to in our relationship. And so um, that's been a process. That's kind of, I guess, what has brought us to here today. Uh, One thing that we definitely come across um, from other people is they've done their journey very differently than we've done our journey. There are beautiful couples out there trying to figure it out and, and dealing with just their own issues. People come with their own history. They come with their own woundedness. They, they come with their own experience, their own understanding. And you want to honor that when you see people trying. It's also very easy to make comparisons and to see what patterns are and aren't working in yourself over time and, and with other couples. And And if there's any way that we can save ourselves and save anyone else unnecessary time and and pain, um, that's something that we agreed we wanted to do. It takes a lot of bravery to step out and talk about this reality on both sides. Uh, It took a ton of bravery for Nathan to sit down and and do this uh, full disclosure in front of me, in front of a therapist, uh, took a, a ton of bravery for him then to follow up with a polygraph exam and, and to sit through that very intimidating process. Um, it's taken a ton of bravery for me to stay um, and for me to navigate through what our true historical reality has been. You are rewriting history once you find out the truth. And, and I had to rewrite history many, many times because the truth was not given to me all at one time. Um, So we've done a lot of things wrong, uh, but we feel like we finally figured out a pattern and we're getting it right. Um, Something we heard originally in therapy, and there's truth to it, but it can't last forever, is you you keep your side of the street clean. You'll hear a lot of therapists encourage you. you. You focus on doing the right things, and that is true. We... We each had to um, make those choices. You can you decide every day, sometimes multiple times in a day, I'm going to do this the right way. I'm going to make the next right decision. I'm going to do the next right thing. Um, and over time, that helps you to, it's more muscle memory. You, you can make that choice. It's, it's not as hard, yet you're not coming necessarily together as a couple you're still, you know, very, very focused on yourself, your own healing process. And there is time for that. That that has to take place. But to truly heal together, someone has to cross the street. And we wholeheartedly believe it has to be the betrayer. It cannot be the betrayed partner constantly crossing over to the betrayer, asking for love and um 
attentiveness and to to help them heal. The, the betrayer has to determine they're going to take on that role and they're going to be the point man. They're going to go to their wounded partner. They're going to attend to their needs. They're going to show up for them. All the while, they're still doing the right things for themselves. Um, but we have found that is really the only way that we have been able to find the healing process um, that we found today. So the one thing, so a question that I have had uh, from other betrayed partners um, is, you know, what is enough? What, what does it look like when your partner is doing enough? How do you know? A therapist actually continued to ask me, how are you going to know when he's done enough? And I just answered, honestly, I'll let you know when I know. I had no idea. I don't feel like that's necessarily the same answer for every individual. Um, but I, I think it's important um, to look at that um, in your relationship. And so I'm going to ask Nathan some questions. He's going to answer honestly from his perspective. So you can be enlightened as to potentially what's going on in a betrayer's mind. So the question I have is what crosses your mind when you hear a betrayer say that they've done everything they can to restore their relationship with their wounded partner? Well, I think I've said those things. I, you know, I, first of all, I would say it goes back even way further than this. I used to always say, um, back in our relationship, when we would have things come up, uh, I might say, Hey, this is just who I am. You just need to love me for who I am. I, you know, this is how I would use, this is how God made me. So, you know, really the issues uh, are yours because how can you argue with God? <laughs> he, he made me this way. And um, so I really have have had to come full circle on that, that statement. And, um, and certainly in the beginning days, you know, I've, I felt like, after I was really getting it right, and for quite a while after that, I thought, well, I am doing everything I can do, and really the issue is yours, and you've got to figure it out for yourself. I think the um, the pro you do have to figure out, one, what uh, has led you to where you are today as a betrayed person, as a person that's betraying your spouse or whoever that might be. Um, you have to figure out what has happened in your life that's created these issues for you and and then really try and do the hard work to figure out how to become a different person and it's not something that happens overnight um in another session we can talk about all the different things I personally did to try and get to that point and I think it's multiple steps I don't think there it's a it's a quick fix but to really come together back as a couple um I think that it it really takes a um, a love that maybe initially you have for yourself that you need to start to have for your spouse and seeing them in different ways and acknowledging the ways that you've have hurt them and recognizing that there's nothing that you can do in certain situations other than 
just to be there for them to listen. I think that's one of the hardest was one of the hardest things for me. I always wanted to defend myself and my actions and try and justify the things I was doing and hurry the process. Um, there is no hurrying it. It takes time to heal. And you have to show up in ways that are um, really uh, for the other person. The, the seeing, seeing them as more important than yourself. And, and it's, it's something, I think, as for somebody like myself, who is so self-centered and still struggles with that. It's not something that, I mean, it's still part of my life. But it's now it's like my desire for your healing is so deep that it's not hard as hard for me to push away what my own desires are because I want you to find healing. Because I recognize as we've started to really um, have some really good healing that honestly, I'm a lot happier because you are finding healing. So it's really one of those things that as I've been able to try and be there more for you, I think then it allows you then to be there more for me. And um, I feel safer. Yeah. Okay. So that's, and, and when you feel safer, then, then we, we are able to have more, more fun together. And that's what it's about. It's about restoring a, a real relationship with somebody that, quite frankly, I never thought was possible. And that gives me joy. So um, I guess, I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, I think that's good. I think it's good to share those things. You know, in our book, we we talk about loving one another, we talk about the struggles uh, that are real um, in that situation because love has a different definition, a different meaning for every individual. And love has to be clarified. You know, you, you have to together determine what love is now in your relationship because it's going to look obviously very differently than it did before after betrayal awareness. Um, we had to rewrite the definition of love, what that looked like for us as individuals. And we kind of had to recreate a, a mission for the marriage and the relationship after I was able to determine that, yes, I was going to stay. Um, and I was not just staying to heal personally, but I was staying to heal the marriage. And those were two different time periods. There was a very big gap in between. I knew I could stay for a very, very long time and and just work on myself. He was giving me that space. He was offering that up to me. He was doing the right things um, in that time period so I could stay physically in the house, feel safe enough to be physically present while I worked on you know me and my own healing. Um, but once then I was able to commit to the marriage and basically starting a foundation of a new marriage, different things had to happen. And, and we, we call it loving to cure. Um, the wounds are so deep. His wounds were deep. The wounds he created for me were deep. 
Um, and while he was working on his own healing process and, and in groups and in a 12-step program and in, oh my goodness, so much personal therapy and um, uh, an, an addicts group that just was rigorous for him. Um, you know, he was learning how to attend to his own wounds because I did not have the ability to do that. Um, I was not showing up for him much in those ways because my woundedness was just almost so complete that, you know, I, I was only focusing on survive, survive, survive. There, there was not much coming back his way. The, the narrative of life that I thought we had for so long just was not. And, and I had no idea how to deal with the identity fallout that brought into my life. Um, so my next question really for Nathan is for him to explain what loving to cure has meant um, for him, and I'm going to ask that he give a couple examples from from our reality. What what does loving to cure look like for you? Well, I think first of all, the every day, and I've done this I think for a long time. I get up every day and feel like this is another opportunity for me to start over and to love you well, and it doesn't matter. Um, where we were the night before, it, we could have ended the evening by <laughs> arguing with one another or you even storming out and potentially sleeping in another bedroom. But mm-hmm. the next day when I wake up, mm-hmm. I always try to start over and think this is another opportunity to try and love you. And And I'll be honest, I mean, there's days where it's harder than others, especially if you're if we ended the evening and you were angry with me, thankfully those days are becoming less and less. But um, every day, uh, and you could be triggered. It may not be that you're angry. It's just you're triggered and you want to go to bed and you don't want me to talk to you and you just are done. I try and respect those times and understand why they are what they are. And Um, but every morning when I wake up, I see it as a a new day, a new opportunity to love you and to love you the best I can. Understanding that I've hurt you deeply. Um, I'd say another, um, way I try to, to, to love you is by coming to you frequently throughout the day. Um, or if I'm not there, I try and, uh, include you through phone calls and basically, it may be just a um, a quick hug or a kiss on your neck or just something to let you know that I'm thinking about you. You're important to me. You are the most important person to me and that I'm here and available. Um, so I think sometimes you appreciate it. Maybe other times you don't, but just letting you know that you are my person and that I am I am in tune with our relationship and that um, you're on my mind. And I think that's um, what if I'm not, if I'm not with you physically trying to let you know where I am, um, especially if something happens that diverts my, um, my plan of where I would told you I was going. I try to let you know if I'm, my plan has veered. So um, you would know um, what's happening and, 
where I am. So those, I think, are specific ways I try to show you that I'm loving you. I think in the past, you made a lot of independent decisions outside of my knowing and me being included um, in the thought process or um, you didn't necessarily give me a chance to say what my thoughts would be on something. I think something I notice now is you filter a lot of that um, with me. You'll say, what are your thoughts on this? Or um, how would you feel if, you know, we spent this money this way, for an example. I think you're trying to include me in the bigger and the smaller decisions um, of your life. I think one thing that helped me um, began to feel more consistently safe was I stopped pursuing information from you as much and you started to bring me the information yourself. I think that kind of veered things in our situation because obsession and, and paranoia and checking up, checking in, that, that fear that we have when we know we can't trust what you say and what you do, it, it rules us and it's exhausting. And I got to a place where I, I, it took a while where I realized I'm, I'm burning the candle at both ends here and, and I wasn't in control anyway. And I think we had had an honest conversation about you bringing me the information, even if it was hard. You coming to me and saying, I, I, I blew this, I didn't do this the right way. I need to tell you this, or I'm struggling with this, or just these are my thoughts, these are my feelings. And that took a weight off of me um, when I began to see that you consistently were willing to show up in that way, even if it was difficult or challenging, or you didn't get the response from me you were hoping for. You continued in that practice, you know, to, to bring me the information about what was going on with you. I think that was a big turning point for me. I think I tried to really bring you into my business more too and, and try and not keep it as separate. I want you to fully know all of the people I work with. And um, I mean, as much as they're willing to obviously display to them to you, but I want, I don't want it to be a mystery. Um, I want further to be an open, honest um, picture of, uh, what I'm doing, who I'm with. Um, and I feel like if I can do that, then you'll know I'm also not trying to hide anything because I, I, I want you to feel, I want you to trust me, but I know it's also a process that won't fully ever be there. But, um, but I think if I include you more and more, it will allow you to feel, Feel as much trust as you can and feel more comfortable, which I think if you feel more comfortable, then that will allow you to feel uh, it'll be easier for you to come to me and not be as um, feeling like you're always on guard. And so that's something I'm trying to do as well, just so that there's there's not two stories. There's not yours and mine and the real or three really in the real story. 
I want there just to be one story and it's the same story for all, for all those. So so if you could encourage uh betrayers today um in one way to love better, to make a choice or a decision that could, you know, lead towards a deeper healing for their partner. Do you have a advice, something you would encourage them to do or to consider today? Well, I would say the very first, the very biggest and most important step and the, what's helped me the most was to come clean, um, fully, 100% clean. Um, you need to do it with a therapist who's trained and can be there for your spouse. I don't think it's wise to do it on your own together. But I'd say that is something that if you have not done that yet, that is, has got to be um, something you do. And I can understand how crazy it might sound to you because I swore that it would be the death of our relationship, potentially the death of both of us. And I swore I would never do that. And yet by doing the most difficult thing, it has been the most important thing with in our lives to try and help us to heal and to get to this point where we are today, a place where I never thought we would be. Um, and it comes from just facing the fire and, um, and it was not, it was not an easy process. Um, that was, that was were terrible, terrible days. So I'm just, I, I would say, you know, obviously it's not like everything's going to be great as soon as you do that. But it is the first step and the most important step to find healing. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. And we, um, we are fighting with you alongside of you, even though it feels like this journey is very lonely and isolating. Um, we want you to know you are not alone. And we find that... We have healed better in safe community with people who understand what we've gone through. And we hope that you um, just continue to press on for today. Today has enough of its own. Um, there's enough vying for your attention. And we understand how difficult each day can be. You can find us at unearthingbetrayal.com. If you have any questions, you can leave them for us there and we will get back to you as quickly as we can. Um, we are hoping and wishing that each of you find the healing process that we have been able to find.